Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Jersey Joe Corner. It is brought to you by Big Heads Media. It is going to be a great hockey season uh, coming right up. A lot of interesting things. Uh, Anchor.fm will help you uh, start your podcast and get things rolling. It's going to be a lot smoother when you uh, when you get the Anchor app, and it's so much easier to navigate. Even their online website at anchor.fm is very efficient and you can do a lot of great things with it and i i stand by it myself and i must say it's time to say let's go devils woo hockey is back baby the 2019 2020 NHL season is B-A-C-K in New Jersey. Ever since 1982, this team has won three Stanley Cups. And this time, it's going to be the New Jersey Devils pushing back for a playoff season. With the first pick overall, the New Jersey Devils are brought to select from the U.S. program, Jack Hughes. Hey, welcome home, Devils fans, to the Jersey Joe Corner Podcast, along with Jersey Jim. Let's go, baby. Hockey is back, not only in the Garden State, but league-wide. Time to lace them up and hit the ice. You got to lace them up, like Jack Hughes and Nikita Gusev and P.K. Subban. There's so much excitement from this uh, past season to this offseason to even opening night is just the adrenaline is pumping once again. So, oh yeah, oh yeah, it is. Opening night tomorrow, it's a great feeling. You know, just being around the guys, you just can tell something is different. Uh, it's not like preseason; these guys are ready, they're pumped. Another season, you know, disappointment not being in the playoffs, but we're back. There's got a special feel around the team. And, you know, they're just ready to go take on Winnipeg tomorrow night. Oh, my God. I I have to really explain to the listeners right now. For those of you listening, uh, if, you, if you got your head out of the, uh, the sand from the summer, um, Jack Hughes was drafted first overall. He's going to be our center in the top two. Uh, you have Taylor Hall who's going to swing. Uh, you're going to have Nico Heischer going to be that first-line center up above Hughes. 
Mary on the first right wing line. It seems to be Amanda Stein put alongside Jack Hughes on his right wing and Nikita Gusev on the for this that folks depth and skill baby yeah I mean look that's uh that's a great those are great top two lines I mean it'll be interesting to see what they do uh tomorrow on game day uh this was practice today they were back after their trip to Annapolis where there was a team bonding they skated at the Navy. Yeah, down in uh, Navy, where it, the home base is Annapolis, and you know they were on Dr. John McMullen rink, the first owner of the Devils franchise. So you know these are just practice lines. We'll see. Uh, it is nice to see a lot of skill up in those top two lines, and you got Simmons down on that third line, a lot of banging, uh, a lot of forechecking on the bottom two. So I wonder how it'll play out. Depends on how you know Winnipeg comes out and how they want to play it that you know if you keep brad up there do you move simmons around how do you use him because i mean again it's a you know it's a high uh, low risk high reward contract one year five million dollars if he doesn't you know if he doesn't play well okay all right you know get you know he'll he won't come back but you know if he performs then you can bring him back for another year well it also makes me think about this one player i wrote about in fabian zetterland in an article uh, in the past for pucks and pitchforks um, I described him more as like a modern day version of Wayne Simmons, and he's certainly going to transition this year into that AHL role. But who knows if a kid like him, you know, adjusts pretty quick and then is able to play that North American style a lot better than he did in Sweden. I mean, there's so many things that a kid like him, he plays pretty good on a bottom six role. If you think about it, I mean, he could certainly replace Wayne Simmons or if Wayne Simmons, you know, is tired in the middle of the season, needs a little help, you know, it seems like a great player to insert. Yeah, I, absolutely. I agree. I mean, it's unfortunate that we really couldn't get a good look at him during uh, preseason this year. That um, So, but, you know, he'll be fine in the minors and, he's just going to progress and develop. And that seems to be a theme this year for the devils coming into, coming into training camp, drafting and developing and keeping the guys that they have in their system, getting rid of the previous regimes, players that they didn't fit their, the system that they want to play, you know, perfect examples here. We have Michael McLeod and Nathan Bastion, two guys that made it to the third round of cuts they were the last two cut. They go down to the AHL, but you're going to know that there's an injury. Those two guys are going to come up, but they're going to have another year to develop in the AHL because you can see the progress from McLeod. You can see the progress from Bastion. And right now there's just not room for them um, in the bottom six. It just That just talks about the depth that the Devils have right now. And I was going to say in recent years, you know, uh, last year, this team was decimated with injuries. You know, it was a plethora uh, that just really uh, took over majority of the games missed. And and it seems the way that, you know, the Devils' upper brass was able to uh, not only retain certain players, but also bring in a better quality amount of players in, in bulk, if you think about it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean – the Devils have the depth that they used to have 
in the early 2000s, the late 90s, a lot of it, you know, a lot of young players, they're developing those players. They're just not throwing them into the lineup. You could see that Shiro is taking kids along in baby steps. It's not, okay, we drafted this guy. Unless you're Jack Hughes. You Which made, is a totally different story. Totally different story. You're not going to get in the lineup right away. And that's a good thing because you want to have guys in your system that you can rely on, you know, down the road. I mean, I, you got a Patrick Eliash, a Peter Sikora, a John Madden type player. Those guys got developed, boom. Then they came in, they knew the system, knew the kind of style they were playing, they fit right in. And that's what you want. And also, talking about those 2000, 2003 type players, you have. Patrick Eliash, who is bringing that uh, special uh, gift of knowledge and wisdom with him as a coach on the Devils staff. And he has the potential to tap into Pavel Zacco, like I talked about in the last podcast with you. And he has the potential to do that for an 82-game season. And plus, he had really good connections with uh, – Peter Sikora, and he even did well with Sergey Breland. And even at times he did well with Zubris and Kovalchuk in uh, later Devils uh, regimes, uh, being able to be able to speak English and Russian uh, back and forth. So it seems, you know, you have a guy who not only speaks two languages, but also helps uh, ease a guy like Gusev into it, um, being part of the team. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, how much he sticks around during the regular season this is going to be something to watch. And But if he's going to be around just to help out with practices and, you know, just be in New Jersey, that's good. That's beneficial for everybody. Not only the, the veterans that are there, but also the young players that are there. They can, you know, ask him questions, feed off information. You know, he's he's one of those guys that, you know, he's got multiple Stanley Cups, He's been he was in the league a long, long time and knows what it takes to stay in the league. And you have to do the little things right in the off season to translate that into the regular season. And you know he's just one of those guys that likes being around the rink. He's a rink rat, and you see it from his photos in the Czech Republic. Um, you see it here in New Jersey. He just likes being around hockey, and that's something that's good for the Devils having. Uh, former players around the team. That's something they need to get back to because when Larry Robinson was here, you know, harp on Scott Stevens, you know, guys like that, you want to understand people get the culture, but you want to experience it from those guys, you know, ask them questions, what it takes to win here, what it means to be playing for the New Jersey Devils, all that stuff. And Eliash is definitely going to help them that and having Brodor up in the business side of things. You know, maybe he's scouting players and maybe getting questions asked of his way. It, it could certainly benefit. I mean, if Broder is going to do something on the business part of it and he's able to uh, use his native French in uh, Quebec and whatnot, I think it would be beneficial as well as he has uh, the experience from having seen Nikita Gusev since he was the assistant GM to Doug Armstrong back in St. Louis. And we talk about um, the way the New Jersey Devils have this NJD.TV thing on YouTube. And I was just listening to Coach Hines uh, talk about how uh, 
he and Ray Shiro both looked at the situation of the Vegas Golden Knights cap situation, and they looked at uh, the potential of Nikita Gusev, and then seeing how he performed at the uh, higher levels of competition. And so far, from what we've seen in the preseason, it's really beginning to translate. Yeah, I mean, he played over in Russia in the KHL, and then he had some experience over here last year with the Golden Knights early on. But, he, I mean, he never saw any games in a regular season. And he was brought here to Black Knight. You know, he was a you know an ace in the hole, so to speak, during the playoffs, but didn't see any game time. But from the footage you see at the World Championships, from the footage you see at the KHL, this guy can play. And the transition to the smaller ice was not a problem, as you could see in the preseason. Now, again, it's preseason. But, again, preseason is the time to look at players and to see what they can do, how they translate, what they bring to the table. And Gusev fits right into what the Devils are trying to do. And he's probably the steal of the offseason, in my opinion, The what the Devils were able to get for him and the fact that he's an NHL now ready player. And there's so much enthusiasm going for tomorrow's big game. And we also are looking into projections of the players for this whole season. And I know I talked to you about this uh, so-called lightning round. It's going to be like our devil's advocate in a way in later in the program. So um, I got that 22-23-man uh, roster later on in the show. So that way the fans get an extra jolt before tomorrow. Uh, so – now that we got to talk about the game for tomorrow, we got to talk about what Winnipeg has to offer offensively, defensively, and goaltending wise. So I'm going to start off uh, reading what is currently on cap friendly from today. So it's Blake Wheeler as uh, the right wing. You have Kyle Connor, who's resigned for quite a while now for left wing. Line is back playing left wing, right wing. You have Mark Shifley, who is their best center. You have Nikolai Ehlers. You have Brian Little uh, along the wings and center. You have Matthew Perot, likely playing third line, and Adam Lowry at center. You have Andrew Kopp, uh, center left winger. You have Jake Roslovich, center right winger. You have David Gustafson, who's uh, just brought up. He's on an ELC and a slide contract. Uh, Mason Appleton. Mark Litestu. That's been an old name. And uh, Gabriel Bork. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, Winnipeg is going to be in New York tonight taking on the Rangers in the their home opener. And, you know, it's interesting to see that the fact that the fact that Line A and Connor not being in the preseason, not being at training camp, has allowed a guy like Nikolai Ehlers, who is on a great contract for Winnipeg, to play left wing on the top line with Shifley and Wheeler. Normally, that's the spot for Kyle Connor, but he's going to be on the second line with Line A and um, Andrew Kopp. Now, According to Daily Faceoff, uh, the line combinations after that are Matthew Perot, Adam Lowry is a center, Gabriel Bork on the uh, right side with Latestu centering, uh, Mason Appleton, and Jack Roslovic. And if you look on defensively, uh, the Jets decimated on the back end. No Dustin Bufflin. They just lost 
Nathan Beaulieu for four months. Uh, Now, you have Josh Morrissey signed. They got Neil Pionk in the trade with Jacob Truba, but they don't. There's no Tyler Myers and no Ben Sherratt. And with Kulikov on the right side, it's you know it's dicey for them. The only saving grace for them is Connor Hellenbeck is in the net tonight. The Hellebuck, yes, and they have uh, Vili Hainola, who was recently drafted, the young Finnish player. He's on a entry level slide contract. He can also be waved down. Uh, he's from Finland, and he's a left defenseman. So there's a bunch of left-handed defensemen uh, on the Winnipeg Jets roster. So um, it seems that they're going to be hurting a lot this season. They're going to be looking to get a right-handed shot, most likely. And the Devils have right-handed shots. And um, who knows if they might be interested in a Sammy Votnin or – whoever might take over because it seems like Carrick as the extra guy on defense for the devils um, could certainly uh, come up in, in a pinch uh, playing on the third pairing. Oh yeah. And Con- Connor Carrick's one of those guys that uh, since coming over from uh, Dallas last year has looked really good in uh, the devil's uniform. He's really solid back there, knows what his role is. Even in the preseason, he's looked like one of the better defensemen on the team, he could fit right in on that third pairing. If he needs to go up to a second pairing, you could have him there. Like I said, he just knows his role, knows how to play good defensive hockey. Been around a little bit, but he's still a young player, and he's really good. And Devil fans uh, have been happy with what they saw before. It's going to be interesting to see um, how the Devils uh, handle uh, Bressois tomorrow, the backup goaltender for Winnipeg, because uh, he's not that bad either and the thing is there's no brian little for winnipeg right now he is injured um and he was a devil killer in his days with atlanta and early on with winnipeg but it seems like a different story now with the the devils have a totally different team uh i'm gonna read what i saw on the uh the, the devil's roster on the devil's website and it goes accordingly you have Jack Hughes, who has lots of speed, lots of skill, very smart. And same thing with Taylor Hall. You have Jesper Bokefist, one of the most underrated, if not one of the best talented uh, center wingers in the 2017 draft in the second round, and maybe in the whole entire draft as a steal. And then you have Nikita Gusev. You have Blake Coleman, who can play third-line wing, sometimes play center, depending on who gets kicked out of the faceoffs. You have... Nico Heischer, who's a really good center. You have a meat and potatoes guy in John Hayden who can bring the knuckles when he can and be a battleship Kelly. And you have Kyle Palmieri, who's a primetime sniper, who can really play well on the top first line. And you have Kevin Rooney, who can certainly be a good penalty killer. You have Wayne Simmons, the old thorn in the side of the Devils, who's now going to be a good power play specialist. You have... The rough and tumble, Speedy Gonzalez falling down on my keister, Miles Wood. And then you have Pavel Zaka, who can certainly play center and wing. And you have Travis Zajac playing forward. That's a good line. I mean, think about it. It's a good lineup to have, and it's a good roster. And, and as we said before, there's a lot of depth 
there. The Devils can use. They can filter guys in anywhere, especially in that bottom six. You know, you could have, like we were saying before, you could move Simmons up to play with Gusev and Hughes to give them some some size in there, get some physicality, keep Brad up there. Maybe you have a bottom line of uh, Miles Wood. You could throw a Zaka in there. You could throw a Hayden in there. Maybe throw a Coleman down a little bit. I mean, they have options. And that's a good thing to have as a coaching staff. You want to have options. You just don't want to rely on one line. When the Devils went to the playoffs in 2018, uh, they were relying on one line. And you can't do that. You need to have secondary scoring. You need to have depth. And the Devils have three solid lines that can play. And you want to say they have a four-solid line. That's good, too, because you need that. As the St. Louis Blues showed last year, you need a fourth line to win hockey games. But if you have three lines and even two lines, you can win in this league. And the Devils are have that, and they're going to show that speed and quickness tomorrow night in Prudential Center as they've shown throughout the preseason. And people always think away at the fourth line as the throwaway line, the old rock'em sock'em line. Well, that's not really the case in today's hockey you look at Miles Wood, if he can harness his own energy and he can finish up on, on his breakaways and stuff like that and, and take over a game, and if he can do the same thing with Pavel Zaka um, on the fourth line, you can really blow out a team and really do something similar, uh, maybe better than the Las Vegas Golden Knights last night, which... What happened was uh, you look at the second goal that the Las Vegas Golden Knights did. Dalton Prout, former New Jersey Devil, who I'm lucky they they freaking traded him away. And he had the puck and he, he, he goofed it up around his net, around Martin Jones, and it was chipped in like an empty net goal. And it was just 2-1 and it was pretty much the beginning of an end. Yeah, I mean, if again, if you're looking at the videotape from last night, it was a great game. Uh, Golden Knights has come out strong. Too much for uh, San Jose. I mean, you know, Dalton Prout really wasn't expected to play in the game last night. Uh, Eric Carlson gets scratched, um, personal issue, um, doesn't play. And the time and space created by um, Carlson and Smith allows uh, – Vegas to get a quick two nothing lead, and that's what the fourth. You want things coming. You want all your lines to create uh, no time and space for the opponent. That's what you want. You want your, your forwards attacking quickly on the puck. You want the right winger, left winger coming in quick. The center supports high, and you can get quick to- turnovers like that and quick goals because the goalie doesn't expect the puck to come right back at him, especially if his defenseman's right there to get the puck and chip it out. So the Devils have the speed and have the quickness to create turnovers, to keep the puck low. They always say the best defense is a good offense, and the Devils have that. And we saw that in the Columbus preseason game that the Devils were playing. I was just listening last night, matter of fact, that to that feed I had on the Game Center uh, through Chromecast. And the Columbus feed said that it looked like the Devils' trap of old and it looked pretty good. And it seemed like the way that – the Devils were able to keep a lot of the shooters to low-danger uh, scoring chances. And it seemed even when 
they did get 32 shots off on Schneider. You know, they kept those quality shots uh, further away from him and away from uh, the high danger zone, if, if you want to call it that, or the slot for some people who are just beginning to learn the terms. Yeah, and you, you want to create uh, – your defense wants to keep the shots down from the high danger zone, especially that triangle from the, the, uh, the circles inside your own defensive zone to the goalie. You want to keep people out of that high danger area, but you want to create chances from that, that area because the more chances you create from that area – the better you're going to be successful. I mean, shots from the outside, sometimes they go in. You don't like that. Those are the weak goals, and you try to make those up. But if you can create time and sp- create no time and space in, in, your off- in your offensive zone attacking the opponent's defense, you can get turnovers quickly. You know, maybe the puck comes up the board, somebody there, support, bang down to, the, to whoever's down low and in the net. I mean – it's a simple game of hockey. It really is. It comes down to everybody has followed what the Devils did since 95 when Giacomo was there with the trap. Everybody said it, it was boring uh, and it ruined the game of hockey. But the problem is it wins hockey games and it wins championships. And you can see every team plays a form of the trap. Doesn't matter. Devils, St. Louis, Ottawa. Somebody plays a form of that trap because it wins hockey games. I was just going to say Ottawa. I remember the Rangers and the uh, Senators one offseason, not offseason, but playoffs, were trying to outdo each other in the trap. And Ottawa eventually overcame it with the, the Jean-Gabriel Pajot uh, quadruple goal game, which won them that game and eventually led on to winning that series, but then falling short of the Stanley Cup. And we've seen how uh, Ottawa last night, um, they certainly put up a fair fight, but they certainly coughed up a lot of bad opportunities to the Austin Matthews line, which I messaged you that I've got a minimal of two goals in my fantasy team. Yeah, I mean, I was lucky enough as I responded that uh, <laughs> that I had Austin Matthews last night, and I, I was watching the game um, on my television via Game Center, uh, via Chromecast as well, and some of the goals were just ridiculous. The one underneath the bar in a power play and then the pass um, from Nylander. And I think the pass from Marner, you can read his lips and say, is a nice pass. I mean, <laughs> the Senators came out strong on the Maple Leafs. They scored, what, 25 seconds into the game. Uh, Brady Kachuk just made found himself real estate uh, in front of Freddie Anderson and tipped the puck in. You know, Ottawa had beaten the Leafs five straight times on opening night, so it was good for Toronto to get the win there. I mean, Matthews is the king of uh, opening nights since coming into the league. This guy's when got he, 11 goals in, what, four games? Something like that? It's ridiculous. It's, it, it's, it's ridiculous. Like, I just remember him scoring, like, what, like three, four goals on an opening night when he was a rookie. And I was just in awe. I just couldn't believe it. Like anyone on social media and the next day on Hockey Central, that was the first thing they talked about right off the bat. And I wish there'd be something similar tomorrow night for the next few weeks, maybe next few months that the Devils can do to maybe better something like that. Maybe – you know, do a little barrage of their own with Jack Hughes and Hall and Bokvist. And 
we're gonna we're definitely gonna have a very boisterous crowd tomorrow. Probably a little uh, happy-go-lucky on the uh, the Devil's Woo beer, the IPA by Magic Hat number nine. Will Taylor Hall score? Yeah, Taylor Hall's probably gonna get on the board tomorrow night. There's no doubt that people are gonna be wooing all night long. Uh, Devils are gonna play a good game tomorrow night. Uh, Jack Hughes will register a point. Uh, I like him doing that. I don't know if he's gonna top Austin Matthews four goal performers against the Senators a few seasons ago. That would be tough to ask. Uh, but you, then again, you never know with this kid. He he could do it. Um, you know, I like the top two lines to get on the board. I think Gusev gets his first as a Devil tomorrow night too. Devils just have so many weapons, especially on those top two lines. We keep harping back to it. And then the fact that that um, Magic Hat has has uh, some new beers uh, in the arena tomorrow night with the sponsorship it makes me proud. The fact that a uh, company that I visited a lot when I was in Vermont school, uh, nice tour of the facilities, um, are sponsoring and are partnering with uh, the hometown team here in New Jersey. Yeah, it it does have a really good ring to it, the magic hat. Have it, it just, I know I'm kind of high on this idea. I'm not smoking anything. I'm just I just had a good cup of joe this morning. And I will say this it it would be wonderful if Taylor Hall could score a hat trick and we and we can have the magic hat hat trick. Would that, that would be, a, be awesome. That would, would be awesome. You get you should get three percent off Magic Hat beer. That's not a bad idea. I think that's something we should propose to uh, the Devils tomorrow. That'd be a good idea. I think the Devils should be listening to this, and maybe Magic Hat will also do a little uh, sponsor with Big Has Media with us. You know, giving them some uh, some some headway. Hello there, Magic Hat. Jersey yeah, come Joe, on, Magic Jersey Hat. Jim, Let's go. Our, Where is our, it? Are giving you a big hello. Welcome, welcome to Jersey. Hello, McFly. Hello, anybody home? Hello, Magic Hat. <laughs> you know where to. You know you're already in Jersey. You stick with us. We'll take you far. But seriously, no, that would be awesome to see uh, Taylor Hall with the hat trick tomorrow night. I mean, he's look. He's out there to prove something, and it's a nice segue that you mentioned his name because um, it's been reported. Uh, can be confirmed that he has given his agent the green light to talk about an extension with the Devils. He's had a change of heart, as I've written over the summer. You know, his tone of voice and his tone reading between the lines about whether he wanted to be here, not be here. His change since the Devils have taken the ice in the preseason he likes the pieces that the Devils brought in in regards to, you know, Nikita Gusev, Jack Hughes, P.K. Subban. So he's happy. The question will be what the final number is. Frank Saravalli of TSN has it at eight years at $88 million, which is at 11 AAV. I think I it's could, worth it. I think it's worth it, too. It could be maybe a little bit more, might be a little bit less. It all depends on how they design the contract. But it is worth noting to keep an eye on the situation. Not to say the Devils are going to struggle this year because I don't think they will. They're going to be a playoff team. Um, 
but if they did struggle, would Hall flip the switch and back out and decide maybe I'll look at January 1st, see what's out there, but then maybe ultimately re-sign with the Devils? I honestly, well, you could put me down for Devils making the playoffs. Minimal of wild card. Um, I will politely go on a tangent about this one. I am not very happy about USA Today not putting enough effort into their work about who is going to be in the playoffs and out of the playoffs. And they put New Jersey as 80 points out of the playoffs. And this is totally off. I mean, this is just as bad as uh, what's his name from NHL Network that really screwed up the uh, the former first-round pick. He was American. Oh, um, um, Brian Lawton. Yeah. This is just as bad as that. I mean, at least Brian Lawton gave a little bit more detail, but USA Today, please show your work. It really doesn't do me as a fan justice. Come on. Yeah, at least explain yourselves on why you wanted to put the Devils at 80 points dead last in the division. It doesn't make any sense. You put Columbus ahead of New Jersey. That makes no sense either. I mean, granted, I'm a little high on the Columbus Blue Jackets, a little higher than most, because I just think with Tortorella there, they have a system in place that they could be successful and maybe compete. But 80 points is a little low for a team that has proven in the preseason, again, preseason, but still – that they are a different team. They made all these moves to be a playoff team. I honestly, They're not going to finish dead last in that division. I honestly, if this was uh, Jim Cramer on Mad Money, I would say bye, 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 because that is too low because the Devils have the potential to get 96 to 100 points this season. I mean – that's maybe about an average of 98 points, you know, making the playoffs with the team that they currently have. And I do see Ray Shiro making a trade for a left-handed defenseman because you already sent back uh, Ty Smith to develop and you need to bolster a team where Colton White may not exactly be the answer, but he can be a good near-term answer to shore up the left-handed side, but who knows? Someone might be talking with Ray Shearer right now, and there could be something in the works that we just don't know about. Yeah, I mean, look, when the Devils released the roster on Tuesday night, uh, there was a lot of speculation of why they released it so late. It was 5 o'clock, no answers. 6 o'clock rolls around, still no answers. 7 o'clock rolls around. You know, the reports out there was that, you know, Dan Rice had it that, you know, the night before that, um, and I confirmed it, um, that, you know, Smith was going to go back to Spokane uh, and his junior team. Uh, then there was a note that said that um, that he had been – he was listed on the roster, Smith, that is, for Spokane. So it was pretty much coming down to Smith and nobody else, and they figured just to send Smith back, have him a year, another year of developing. And real quick, you know, it's funny because, you know, a lot of people I talk to wonder about, you know, since his age, is he benefiting from being in junior hockey again? 
you know, it's always good to have a development year. Doesn't matter where it is, but you know, John Hines made the comment today that he thinks the age restriction part of the CHL NHL agreement needs to be looked at and possibly to add some sort of exemption status rule. So players like Ty Smith can go to the AHL, which would make sense because, you know, Connor McDavid, when he was a junior, he got exceptional status to play. You know, if they had that, that would be fine because it does, you know, as much as it does him good, it doesn't do him any good because he really, he's one of those players that could benefit more from playing in the AHL than in junior hockey. I will say this. I absolutely agree. There needs to be either an amendment in exemption status from the, a junior league or a team over in Europe or in general. Just if a player years old in the middle of the season, you might as well send them up to the AHL. I mean, it, it doesn't hurt to cook a player in a, in a higher league where players are working towards to – trying to make the NHL, but not overcook in the junior level, etc. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, even if he had stayed, say he stays for the Devils this year, you don't want to have another situation where the guy's just coming in and out of the lineup all the time. He's sitting one night, he's playing one night. And would the Devils release him to Team Canada for the World Juniors this year? This way, you know, he's playing all these minutes. You know, I guess there were some expectations on him this year coming into camp after his good camp last season. And sometimes, you know, sometimes you don't live up to those expectations. But then again, a lot of guys were hungrier this year to make this team. Last year, on a bad team, you know, Smith shined. This year, guys are pushing Guys are working harder. Roster spots were thin as it is. And, you know, the coaching staff felt, you know what, we don't have to rush him along. We can let him develop because, you know, with Adam Larson and with Pavel Zaka, sometimes if you rush a player, you got to bring him in and out of the lineup, then he gets hurt, then it stalls his development. Just keep him in a certain spot and just let the process take over because eventually he's going to be good. And he's going to come in, and especially a defenseman, it takes them longer to adjust to the National Hockey League play unless you're a Drew Daddy, an Eric Carlson, an Aaron Eckblad type player. And uh, and it seems that when we segue over, we're talking about these rookies making their NHL debuts. I mean, it's so great to have, you know, a rejuvenation on the Devils roster where you have Jack Hughes making his debut, you have Jesper Bokvist making his debut. Um, we have so many good moving parts going forward in this team. You have a lot of young veterans. You have a lot of sophomores and whatnot. I mean, this is a good thing to have. I mean, other players are getting experience. Other players have experience. Meanwhile, helping those who don't have any. Yeah, and, you know, you got two rookies coming in the lineup. You have Boquist. You have uh, Hughes, obviously. Two guys, you know, one guy played in Sweden last year. One guy played the U.S. developmental team. Then Nikita Gustav, but he doesn't count as a rookie because of his age. So he doesn't have a chance at rookie of the year. So those two guys uh, up front, you know, Boquist and Hughes. And, you know, Hughes is a front runner right now for rookie of the year along with uh, Capo Caco. But there's so many young players in this league. I mean, last year, I, I before the season started, 
Um, I said Elias Pedersen was going to win the Calder Trophy um, for Rookie of the Year, and uh, it ended up being true because I just liked what he brought to the table. This year is so hard. I mean, I could go with Hughes. That's you know that's the uh, the easy pick, and and I think it would be a good pick and the right pick. But you know, Cat goes there, Cal McCarr, and then there's some guys that just come out of nowhere in the middle of the season and be like, "Yo, where'd this guy come from?" And you know, and he's a rookie. So, you know, right now I'm going to stay with Hughes. I think he could win rookie of the year. And uh, I'll give you my point total on that later. Yeah, so um, I'm looking at um, Sportsbook NHL Stanley Cup. And uh, it's currently Tampa Bay has the best odds at plus 675. Meanwhile, the New Jersey Devils have plus 2,800. I mean, with William Hill being one of the sponsors of the New Jersey Devils. I would like to see William Hill maybe sponsor this uh, wonderful podcast because there's a lot of uh, interest that fans are doing things at uh, the Prudential Center for one of those sports books. Yeah, and now, now I just read today that William Hill is going to have another sports book at, down in Capital One Arena with the Washington Capitals. So, uh, you know, a lot of gambling going on inside the arena, which is awesome. Um, you know, I might take a little bit of that action on uh, the Devils um, or give me a team that has some, you know, decent odds, but not like favorite odds to win the Stanley Cup. Um, everybody's picking either Tampa Bay or Vegas to get to the cup final. It's, you know, those are the easy choices. I, I, I honestly, if it was just myself, I'd be putting, you know, just a little bit on NJ, but I'd, I'd rather have someone else do that, but. Um, I'm not encouraging anyone to do it, but I'm just saying it's these are odds. I like being an odds person because you just never know. Some night, you know, the puck goes your way. Sometimes it doesn't. And that's one of those things that um, we live to watch hockey for. Exactly. And, you know, like I said, you can have you – know, you can take somebody. Somebody can be like, all right, I like Jersey. And you may not do it, and they end up winning. I mean, look, the favorite – Some most of the time the favorite doesn't win a Stanley Cup. And, like, one year, uh, we weren't even expecting Las Vegas to be one of the finalists. And New Jersey, you know, made the playoffs, but they weren't getting the attention they were supposed to because Vegas was the new team. And that upset me that year because, you know, someone else stole our thunder. Well, I mean, look at that year, too. I mean, you had uh, when Vegas comes into the league, no one expects them to make the playoffs. They're supposed to go through growing pains. But the league – wanted Vegas to be good. They had to be good because you just expanded into Vegas. You wanted all eyes on Vegas. It's one of the you know best pregames in the league. Uh, if you ever get the chance to go to Vegas, do it because it's worth the money and the time and, and the games are great. But that year, Colorado surprised people. Devil surprised people. And, you know, people were talking about Hall and McKinnon but it felt like those two teams, what they did to get back to the playoffs were being overshadowed by Vegas. And that's a good thing, but, you know, sometimes the stories of, you know, hey, you know, you know these little teams surprising is, you know, two teams that were in a cup final back in 2001 are starting to get back to where they need to be in the standings, and it just got overshadowed because Vegas' first year in the league. And another thing that, you know, wins games is definitely goaltending and defense. And we're going to transition over to 
the devil's defense and goaltending. So again, we have a, I believe a junior year of Will Butcher. We have Connor Carrick, who's already played his years in uh, Toronto and Dallas. And he's played in some 40 plus season games and, you know, trying to be serviceable, but he's certainly come a long ways since making that nice little goal against the Rangers, which helped us get that Jack Hughes uh, special odds to get that car flip for him. And then you have Captain Green, who is the Iron Horse, you know, soon to be su- succeeded. And then you have the Swiss guard and Mirko Muller. You have Damon Severson from uh, Western Canada. You have P.K. Subban. The, the, he's the big bomb of a slap shot I like to call Happy Gilmore because of that personality and then you have the finish flash in Sammy Vatnin Mr. Coffee yeah Mr. Coffee indeed um, and you know right now they're running with Green and Subban and Butcher and Vatnin and then Mueller and Severson on the third pair We'll see if they run with those lines uh, combinations tomorrow. It is Schneider over Blackwood tomorrow. Corey Schneider will get to start for the New Jersey Devils in their home opener against the Winnipeg Jets tomorrow night. So that was a little news today. And it's good because he's having a great, great preseason. Uh, You know, ever since he came back from injury, again, these things take time. Again, he kind of felt rushed back, but, you know, he had last season. He had, goes into the world championships, looks good. Now his preseason numbers look good. So the Devils have a great 1A, 1B combination in Schneider and Mackenzie Blackwood. And we talk about how Corey Schneider's really bounced back. When I wrote my articles, uh, contributing it for uh, Pucks and Pitchforks, that was one of the first things I talked about was how – He's getting to be more confident. He's starting to work on his angles more, and he's starting to be, you know, a better goaltender. His, his mindset's, you know, starting to be laser-focused on this season, and eventually time will tell. Yeah, I mean, it, it's good for Schneider to get back and being an elite goalie again. I mean, when he was in Vancouver, he was one of the best. I was always a fan of his. Going back to his Boston College days, I have friends that know him personally. He's a great guy, and you just feel good for when these guys get back. I mean, look, Pecorine took time. Jonathan Quick took time. And it's good to see him back playing at a high level again. And it's good to see um, a healthy competition internally with Corey Schneider and Mackenzie Blackwood. Mac himself had a really, you know, up-and-down uh, season a little bit, but he did come back and he had a really good uh, showcase for the Devils last season. I saw some games in person where I saw that he needed a little bit more work, but he had potential to win a, over 20 games. Yeah, I, I, mean, think he, I think he's going to do more than what he did last year. Well, if, you know, if everything is done correctly, um, you could see this, you know, these two guys split, um, you know, maybe go 50-30 or go right down the middle, uh, depending on how the coaching staff wants to ride guys. And Blackwood, you know, ever since he came into the league last year, he looked like he belonged. 
Uh, he played great in the preseason. I mean, the game against Boston towards the end of the preseason, he pretty much stood on his head and because no one else was doing anything and Blackwood was playing great like always. So, I mean, to have a guy that could just come in, know what his role is, play, and give the team confidence in front of him is a good thing considering the Devils, boom, got to play tomorrow. Then they play again on Saturday in Buffalo. So you're already going to see Schneider and Blackwood right away. They're not going to go back to back there. They're, they're going to allow each player to rest in between because, you know, as we saw last year and years before, uh, goaltenders like Corey Schneider, you know, are not necessarily a voodoo, but they have special mindset routines where they are in a flow. And when they're out of a flow, they have to have someone that's in that flow to take over that game yeah. for, when, for when they're called upon. So, I mean, it's a good thing, like, if Corey Schneider, let's say, theoretically plays 50 games, you, you would expect the other 32 to be picked up by Mackenzie Blackwood or vice versa. This is a good problem to have because uh, this will prevent burnout, you know, for the lower body. Um, the mindset will be a lot cleaner and clearer, and it paints a better picture for – not only fa- fantasy hockey owners, it also gives a lot of the casual fans an idea of what to expect once Amanda Stein and Mike Morial, etc., uh, post to Twitter. Yeah, and if you haven't known, and if you don't know who these guys are, and you want to see more highlights, I'm obviously you go to YouTube. But I mean, Mackenzie Blackwood is a solid guy. Ever since they drafted him and developed him through the system. Yeah, he's had his ups and downs in the system. This was going to be the guy that was going to come in and possibly be the franchise goalie. Obviously, you know, the Devils traded for Schneider. He's had his issues um, with the injuries. But Blackwood is there. They, they're trying. They're going to give him every opportunity, I believe, to be the number one guy at some point this season. But it's always good to have two goalies going because as you see with the Islanders last year, Carolina, St. Louis, if you have a tandem that'll get you into the playoffs because your starter doesn't got to play 60, 70 games and be burnt out. And that's what something Montreal's trying to do with former uh, New Jersey Devil Keith Kincaid. They brought him in to be the backup to Price. They feel he can play a lot of games to take the load, workload off of Price because the Canadians are hoping to get back into the playoffs. So, you know, tandems seem to be What's the trend again. Exactly. It, no, or, none of these guys, so, none of these guys playing 70 games. Exactly. And I, I certainly, you know, back when I was watching Schneider in his Vancouver days, um, I always liked the fact that he and Roberto Luongo were always fighting each other out to see uh, if someone had a bad game, you have the other guy try and take over. And the other guy says, nah, screw this. I'm going to do better than you. Can you do better than me? I think I can do it. And it's just that will to win, and it's that mindset of trying to help your team relax and knowing that, hey, the Corey Schneider of good is here. Um, We can focus on scoring. We can play defense. Yeah, and that gives a team confidence because, and again, Schneider and Blackwood can't try to do too much because that was a problem last year too. If the defense has confidence in the goaltending, 
they don't then they can play their game in front of the goaltender. They're, it's just all about confidence. It just comes back down to that, and then it feeds the offense. And the, and your best penalty killer has to be your goalie. And Blackwood and Schneider stand on their heads during the penalty kill that allows the p- penalty killers to be more aggressive. And the team could be more aggressive because they know, hey, well, I'm going to get a big-time save from this guy. I'm not going to have to worry about a goal going in. And he's having, you know, you posted .52 save percentage in the preseason. That says something because I think he can carry that over into the regular season. And I will say this, like, when you have those defensemen know how to play their offensive game, their defensive game, they know they can picture in, and infer to what could happen on the next play uh, if they were to screw up or if they know how to uh, not, you know, cough up the puck. And we certainly saw, like I was talking about, um, between Vegas last night and Ottawa last night, they had their fair share of, uh, puck mismanagement and they, that really cost them their their chance of screwing up someone else's opener. Yeah, and and you can't and you can't be lazy with the puck in your own zone. And Hines is going to be on the Devils about that all the time, and you can tell he's a, he was in midseason form in the preseason. He wasn't happy with how the Devils played certain games. He wants to be he wants that puck protected at all times, and it's all about you know, growing up, you know, playing, it's all about possessing the puck. You don't want to let the other team have the puck coming through that neutral zone. You don't want to have neutral zone turnovers. You don't want to take dumb penalties in the offensive zone because that's the kind of stuff that'll get you scratched and sitting up in a press box. And speaking of scratched, uh, I just don't know who's going to be scratched for tomorrow's game. But uh, remember, Miles Wood was in the press box. They called his name while he was in the press box. And everyone remembers how – really fired up in a negative way he was and sometimes you need to do that to a guy to get him thinking straight and get him motivated to play better the next several games or else he's back in that nice press box with one of us writers yeah and you know it is a good tool to use to motivate a player especially if he's in a slump and you know have him see you know the game from a different um viewpoint maybe how things are supposed to be breaking down where you're supposed to make your passes but yeah a guy like would definitely benefit from being in the press box my guess if i had a guess it'll probably be rooney coming out tomorrow you know you hate to see a kid like boquist not play an opening night because he's done everything right in the preseason and it feels like he could be an odd man out tomorrow. Maybe they decide to, to bench a Miles Wood. I mean, he didn't have a great preseason at all. And it, I would, that would be what I would do. And then just roll Boquist on the third line. But he was taking reps on the top two lines today. So you got you got to wonder what they're going to do tomorrow. I mean, like, again, it comes down to having options. And without those options, how in the heck can you win games? And being able to be coachable is one of those things that uh, the Devils really like about Jack Hughes and Jesper Bratt. I'm sure a lot of the players that, you know, the Devils have vetted, you know, back to juniors and stuff like that, you know, they seem to be pretty coachable, but they also need to be coached on different levels. Yeah. And all these guys from 
being around them in the training camps and reading things. These guys are understanding what Hines wants to do, and they're taking the information in. And that's good. You know, Boquist transitions to the NHL perfectly from the big eyes to the smaller eyes. Goose said the same thing. The fact that everybody's buying in to the system is good. You don't want to have a guy just going rogue and just doing whatever he wants because that's no good. That, that, that never helps the team. But you have a guy buy, the system, buy into the system and play the right way. The goals are going to come. The points are going to come. And the Devils are going to be successful. If this guy doesn't want to do it, then he might be out of town. And, you know, speak, you know, we go back then Harper on Miles Wood. But, you know, he could benefit from not playing opening night, to be honest, because he needs – he really is one of those guys that's got to look at himself and be like, look, what do I need to do to get better? Especially to improve his career and his chances at cashing in on, you know, an upcoming contract a few years later, which – I think if he was an RFA, you know, in an upcoming offseason, he wouldn't get much leverage or any leverage. You looked at how much leverage uh, Patrick Laine uh, on the Jets did. He had – there was rumors he was asking for $10 million, but really the Winnipeg Jets were like, um, excuse me, you had a down year. We only got to the playoffs, but we didn't get far. And we haven't really achieved much with you. So we're going to talk with you and your agent. And, and they figured under $7 million is his worth. So basically, that was a tool that the Jets used after they followed what the Devils did with Pavel Zaka, who had very little to no leverage. Yeah, I mean, the thing is with Lining is he's a perennial 30-goal scorer. So they had to pay him on that alone. Um the two-year bridge helps the Jets because it's like they basically said, hey, go bet on yourself. Go show us. Go prove it to us that you can score goals. You can buy into the system. Yeah, you want to play with good players. We get it. But you got to go prove it to us again because last year was a down year for you. On the side of Kyle Connor, it was always – the feeling was that Connor wanted to be there long term. And you saw this in Montreal, and I don't know if it, the same thing plays out, but when P.K. Subban got his bridge extension in Montreal, it felt like it was a slap in the face, and it, the writing was on the wall that he was going to be out of town of of Montreal. And then soon after he signs the big the big deal, he gets traded. So, And it was a guy that wanted to be in Montreal, guy loves it in Montreal, he's beloved there, but the hospital rent, he helped found own money. Right, and he keeps donating to and keeps bringing money to. But his personality shined in Nashville, and it's shining even more in New Jersey. And, you know, maybe it was just Mark Bergevin. But, again, something didn't sit right when he signed that bridge deal in Montreal, and maybe the same thing happens with Line and Winnipeg. But, again, that's just a lot of pure speculation and just trying to connect dots. I think if I was connecting dots, I think it might have been with Joffrey Molson, who ended up. Why do I have him for this long? Shoot, got to trade him. And they get Shea Weber. Yeah, I mean, it was a. I mean, you know, the trade is a win win for both teams at the time, you know. But, you know, in the end, you know, how much 
the, the fact that Subban likes playing outside of Montreal and his personality can shine um, is a good thing. And I find that, you know, because he's in a good media market, not a heavy media market, you know, New Jersey's one of those places where the media respects the players are not going to overblow things. You know, we like to keep it at a special level where it's not going to keep it out of proportion like Toronto would. And we like to give players their space, but we're not going to jump in on them 24-7 unless they decide to tweet us or something. I mean, PK is really good about uh, showcasing himself. Yeah, and then in, in, in he's a flashy player on the ice too, which everybody likes. And, you know, New Jersey, like Nashville, is a perfect place for him to go play. And he's right near the bright lights in New York City. But like he says, I'm playing in New Jersey. I'm not playing in New York. I'm playing in New Jersey. And that's a good thing, and people are buying into that. And people know from, you know, other sports teams playing in New Jersey, using the New York brand, you know, PK playing in New Jersey for New Jersey is about New Jersey. And he's about the fans that support him in the surrounding area. And this is one of those uh, those mindsets that I even use myself. I mean, people say, oh, um, you, you, you're part of New York. I say, no, no. New Jersey is not a city. You're, you think of Jersey City. But New Jersey itself is a wonderful state that has a lot of good things going on with a wonderful hockey team on the rise. Yeah, everybody asked me, you know, when I was in college, oh, how much did you go into New York City? I said, I didn't go much. I just went in for hockey games and occasionally go in. I'm like, there's so much to explore in New Jersey, and I like being in New Jersey. That That's where I, what I wanted to do. I didn't need to go into the city all the time because it was too damn expensive. It's, it's no disrespect to our viewers in New York, but um... – we are in different regions. You know, I used to live up in Essex County. I would go to a lot of Devils games, you know, very easy. And I would just go to the city once in a while. And I would go to Hoboken in New Jersey. And I live down in Monmouth County. And I go to Devils games a lot, you know, because it's a train. It's a nice train ride up north. Uh, you take the train up there and take it down south. Uh, to central Jersey along the coast. It's a beautiful ride. Um, I, I, do, I do once while going to the city, but I've only been into Brooklyn, New York once for a Devils versus Islanders game, and I wasn't very impressed um, with the seating at Barclays. I'm actually happy that the Islanders are going to have their own barn, hopefully in two seasons, if things go, go uh, proper. Yeah, that would be good. That's great for the you know fans out on Long Island, for the the Islanders to get back uh, their own their own barn, and the fact that they're playing more home games at uh, Nassau Coliseum this year is even better for them because you know that building can be loud, and I mean really loud. I've been there for a couple of playoff games, and you know just the the, the fact that it's so small and everybody's right around you, it just it's just so so loud. And it's a good atmosphere, and, and that's what you're going to expect tomorrow night in Prudential Center. You know, the Devils are home. They're going to bring the energy from the player introductions through the drop of the puck and to the end of the game. The fans are going to get loud. They're going to cheer their team on. And you want, you want to make it a tough place to play. You want that crowd to affect the other team. 
you know what this is going to harness? This is going to take the, the Taylor Ham pork roll debaters and it's going to take their energy, throw it at the Winnipeg Jets. And anyone who doesn't like the name Jets for a sports team, you can throw all your crazy things that you want to say about the Winnipeg Jets. They haven't won a Stanley Cup yet. And you can say all the funny things like my coworker Frank does. Uh, or as I always say an acronym, just end the season for Winnipeg. And if you win in Winnipeg, it's a win in Winnipeg. Yeah, it is. You know, the Jets, it's going to be tough for them this year. And, you know, it's uh, just so many injuries on defense. They do have the goaltending to surprise some people. Offensively, they have the weapons to compete. But that central division is so, so tough. And no big buff. I mean, if he does come back. Is he effective? Is he just taking the season off? Or is he a traffic cone? Who knows? And if his head isn't really in it, is he going to really want to play? So who knows what's going on there? I mean, Paul Maurice, he's going to have a hard time getting this team in the playoffs. Uh, But you never know. Like I said, with Connor Hellenbeck and Laurent Bressois back there, the Jets – uh, have the potential to surprise some people because nobody's picking them to make the playoffs this year. And who knows if Sammy Niku comes in and he starts to try and save the defense for the Winnipeg Jets and maybe try and salvage something this season. But, you know, this is a pretty deep 2020 draft, and I've already felt that, you know, maybe if Ottawa still has their first round or – Winnipeg has their keeps their first round and you know who knows if they have really bad years and they have they win the top three in the lottery at least they have a chance to get Byfield and maybe uh, I would say Lafreniere uh, has two really good picks um, I, I really like you know if if thing went if the whole season for them went down the drain yeah I mean most fans in Winnipeg don't want that to happen. Like most fans in New Jersey don't want the Devils to be in the lottery again this year. Um, but unfortunately, sometimes that happens. I mean, you never know what the kids are going to do for the Jets. They could surprise some people. And again, it, it, I mean, the Devils should win tomorrow night. Um, Winnipeg coming off uh, their game tonight. So it's back to back for them. And then they play three and four days in the metro area. So it's going to be... It's going to be tough for them tomorrow night because it's Jersey's home opener. Tonight they got the Rangers' home opener. So you don't, you got to expect that there's going to be a letdown someplace uh, for them. Some, and there's going to be a lot of discombobulation with the Winnipeg Jets on the defense. And because, you know, you talk to other people, you know, on Twitter, et cetera, you know, they, there's always someone that's, thinking, you know, it's going to be a cakewalk. Sometimes the goaltender is going to bail them out on every single chance, kind of like how we did, like, maybe a few years ago. You know, you had Kincaid comes in and, he, you know, he steals a game or maybe Blackwood last year stole a few. And, you know, it's it's sometimes puck luck, you know, when you think your goal t- – your, not your goaltender, but the other team's goaltender gets their fortunate bounces and they get the, the, 
the save they want and the shooter doesn't get the rebound to bury it. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy to think that um, that a goalie can just change the game like that. But, I mean, look down in St. Louis. I mean, Jordan Bennington comes in, um, proves that he has the mental toughness and fortitude. Hey, all right, I lose the game. Well, I'm going to bounce back and play even better. And they rolled that into the playoffs and won the Stanley Cup. So if your team is trending at the right time going into the playoffs, and again, you got to start the season off strong. Devils win tomorrow night, be huge. Just set the tone for the season. All right, we got to win in front of the home crowd. We got to win going into Buffalo, which is a tough place to play to begin with. Fans are already crazy, just like they are with the Bills Mafia. Yeah, exactly. So, and Buffalo's got a young team that could, you know, give the Devils some troubles. So, you know, and obviously, like we said, Blackwood will probably start that night. Um, they're not going to go Schneider back-to-back. But you, you need to have that puck luck. You need to play well. You just got to do the little things right to be successful on the ice because if the, the little things aren't done right, then you're going to have – you're not going to have success. And we've seen teams like Boston, you know, basically play like Swiss pikemen. They use their their sticks as pikes to keep the Devils from lancing around and trying to sneak around the defense and get inside the dots. And, and it worked for Boston in those preseason games because they know how to be disciplined enough not to give a penalty. Or if they do, they, they find a way to minimize it. Yeah, but again, you know, the preseason is a little different because it's teams travel the day of the preseason. In the regular season, teams don't travel the day of games. They are there the night before. They're rested. They got their morning skate or they're looking at film. They're more prepared. And your legs are there. You could tell the devil's legs just weren't there the whole game. They were just – they had to travel that day. So – you know, they're going to definitely be ready to go once the puck drops tomorrow night. You know, team bonding beforehand. You're going to practice in today, a game day, a morning skate tomorrow, and you're just ready to go hit the ice. And all focus has got to be on playing the Winnipeg Jets just because they're banged up, just because they have injuries, just because – Doesn't mean you take them lightly. Exactly, because they're still a good team. And we also talked about chemistry and, you know – Jesper Bratt joked around uh, with Amanda Stein recently today saying that, uh, oh, he kicked out uh, Pavel Zaka, uh, which isn't true because Zaka got his own apartment. But uh, Jesper Bokvist is moving in to Jesper Bratt's apartment. So this is a good uh, idea to have is that you have a guy who can teach English to a fellow Swede and speak Swedish. Uh, when things are lost in translation. And this is good for when they play together on the ice, that uh, both players don't have uh, any misunderstandings, and they can certainly translate a lot of points uh, onto this uh, Devils roster and bring the electricity on the ice and bring the uh, positive vibes of the crowd and feed off the crowd. Yeah, crowd's going to be a factor tomorrow night, no doubt. I mean, they're going to be electric. I mean, everybody's going to be electric tomorrow night's opening night. You know, first game since the end of the regular season. There's a lot of excitement, new hope, you know, long players you want to watch. You know, you just got to be ready to, you know, stand on your feet if you're a fan. Just get into it. Bring your game face. 
and just be ready to play and just re- ready to go. Don't try to get into a fight. Don't try to do anything. Just be respectful and just cheer on your team because the Devils are going to be exciting to watch tomorrow night against Winnipeg. I was always – it's like Ron, Bur- like Ron Burgundy always tries to say, stay classy, San Diego, but I say, let's stay classy, Jersey. Let's keep it classy. And let's bring the woo. Let's bring the atmosphere to rock the rock and pop it up. And who who knows if it's howl or hip-hop hooray. I personally think it's going to be howl tomorrow night. I think everybody keeps asking me when they're going to reveal the goal song. I said, I'm going to be honest. The goal song is going to be revealed when the Devils score a goal tomorrow night. I don't think they're going to announce it beforehand. I think they're going to do what the cap- the Leafs did last night with the captaincy and just wait till the game to do it because that just makes it more exciting. I'm I'm a fan for I'm a fan for um having how's the goal song, hip hop ray is the win song. I'm okay with that. I think they should mix it up. I think the the win song should be hip hop hooray because you know, everybody could go, hey, ho, hip hop, hooray. Hey, ho. People could be dancing, like break dancing in the, in the middle of the transition from uh, going downstairs after a win. And just, I think the vibes would be totally worth it. If Jake Reynolds of the New Jersey Devils is listening right now, I think you should change things up just a little bit and uh, take some insight uh, from your fellow uh fan run podcasters uh we certainly do you a good marketing service as my father would put this because you know he said you're marketing that team and you're giving ideas and this is something that we create you know this content and i did read that um the the first devil's goal at home is going to be revealing the goal song yeah, so I mean, not far off with that. I mean, I, I, that's what I figured. It's not not a surprise that that's what they want to do. Um, why would they give it away now? Uh, Everyone would be complaining. Exactly. I mean, people are still going to pl- complain regardless of what it is, just because people like to complain. Um, but like I said, sure. you know, "No Surrender" was a great you know song for after the game. Personally, I like it more after a loss because you know, just be like, all right we're not going down this easy and we're going to come back stronger. Um, but hip hop parade just gives it that feel, you know, people are, you know, a little bit dancing, you know, they're happy waving their arms in the air after a devil's victory. They, they gotta have the, the Hey baby in between. They gotta get that. Ooh. Ah, uh, I want to know. Oh. Would you be my girl? That would be and good I, too. That would be good too. I, I wish they would also do a dollar hot dog night again because last year I was at a game and some guy and his friend split the cost buying $100 worth of Nathan's hot dogs and they got them all wrapped. They took them in a box and they took them in the uh, the 100 levels and they tossed it to Fans all throughout the rock, and I was actually sitting in one of those sections. Although I didn't get a hot dog, I just I had I had plenty to eat. <laughs> yeah, I mean the dollar the dollar hot dog night is uh, that was a fan favorite back in the day when when they were having that going on, and you know 
fans like that. I mean, you know, it's Nathan's hot dogs who doesn't like that. Um, you know, the Devils, you know, they always do some, you know, great promotions. They have another wrestling night this year, I believe. So that'll be good. Subinator? Subinator doll or something? Yeah, Subinator doll or something. That would be good. Um, you know, maybe do something with William Hill. Maybe do a little, like, you know, get, like, dollar bets in. Something like that. You know, just something to dra- drive the, the fan base into the arena. Obviously, the winning will help, as I always state. It doesn't matter how much marketing you do. It doesn't matter how much attractive things you have, shiny toys you have. Winning. Winning solves all problems. We want to have the mashed potatoes. We want the turkey. We want the gravy. We need the side of vegetables that's going to pair well with this feast tomorrow. Because Canadian Thanksgiving is this month, and then in the next month, Thanksgiving in the States will be one of those uh, measuring points where this team will be for the odds of getting to the playoffs, and maybe Taylor Hall will re-sign by Christmas. Who knows? By New Year. And it would be happy holidays. We got Taylor Hall for eight more seasons if if we're in the hunt. Yeah, and – you know, like everybody talks about American Thanksgiving as the watershed mark. There are exceptions to the rule, i.e. the St. Louis Blues. But most of the time, if you're in a playoff spot, call American Thanksgiving, you will make the playoffs come April. Devils showed that when they went to the playoffs in 2018. They were at, at American Thanksgiving, boom. They were in a playoff spot. They finished in a playoff spot. That it always holds. Again, one or two exceptions. But if you're at or near the playoffs come American Thanksgiving, you will make the playoffs come April. It's basically the wishbone that you break and you just don't say the wish out loud. It just happens or else you jinx it. Exactly. That's That's what probably happened to one of the two back then. This is why I usually don't like to talk about a game within the game being played itself. This is why I don't say, oh, uh, we're up a certain amount of points. You know, I don't, I don't like saying that because I feel like someone else is scoring that very second um, coming up on another play. So I, I, for one, am very superstitious from the days I used to watch baseball, and I still keep superstitions. Like, if I see a penny, you know, heads up, you know, on my way to the bus, I'm going to pick it up. I'm going to put it in my pocket, and something good happens. So, I, as an American, I'm very superstitious, and I hope good things happen tomorrow night. Yeah, as a hockey player, I'm even um, superstitious, too. I mean, I do the same things all the time, and even when I'm watching games, I do the same thing all the time. So, uh, it's just, it, it, like you said, being superstitious – Looking at the little things, the devils are going to be superstitious. Guys are going to put on their skates a certain way. They're going to put on their pads a certain way. They're going to put on their pants last, maybe first. It doesn't matter. They're just going <laughs> to do certain things the right way in order to be successful. And if I recall correctly, Taylor Hall buttons, buttons his shirts top on down. Yes. Yes, so- he does. There, there is a reason why we do these uh, oddball things, and players are just like us. They're just humans with better-paying jobs, and they just have better skills than us. That's all they have. 
they have these God-given talents that allow them to play this wonderful game we call NHL-style hockey. Yep, and they and then that's why guys like you and me look at the game, break down the game, write about the game, and talk about the game. Because we are naturally given to deliver the the descriptions on the game itself and talk about why things work and they don't work. And it's good to study the small things, kind of like um, a certain guy on MSG Network named Bryce Salvador, who was a captain for a reason, even though I didn't expect him to be a captain during the Lou years. Yeah, neither did I. But you know what? He's you know he's breaking down the game really well for the Devils. He he's look see he's played the game and he's been on the ice and he understands you know where it's coming from. It's like when John McClain was there, he was breaking down the game really well too. You know, and having Bryce in between the bench at ice level helps Steve and Dano um, up in the lounge area to you know do what their job is, and they call on Bryce to analyze what's going on, on the ice, the little turnovers, the little things that we don't see. Uh, he sees, and it helps the fans understand the game more. And also for me, like uh, having Chico Resch sitting alongside with uh, Matt Laughlin is is another form of having alumni with really good journalism aside them and to have you know someone who's played a game and someone who's you know followed and watched the game, you know compare notes and. It, you get to see two sides of the story. You get to see one guy who's in broadcasting. You get to see one guy who broadcasts from a player standpoint and a goalie side. Yeah, and I mean, Chico having on on the radio side is awesome. He was great on the TV side with Doc Emmerich all those years. Matt Laughlin is one of the best in the business. Um, he knows what he's doing. He could call a game by himself like a Vince Scully. Um, actually, he, he did during the preseason once or twice. Um, so he's good at what he does. And those guys, you know, sometimes when you're when you're out on assignment or you're driving around and you're listening to the game on Sirius XM or Devil's Radio, Devil's Network, and he, he can just pick, paint a picture of a game and you can just close your eyes and be like, all right, perfect. I know what, where the Devils are shooting at. I know what side they're defending. I can see the plays develop. So he's good at what he does. One of my favorite was that All right, so basically we had a little bit of a connection problem for a little bit, but the content got saved thanks to Anchor.fm. So now we can uh, segueing to Matt Laughlin and uh, Chico Resch. So you were talking about the great things of Doc Emmerich. I said he's one of those guys that – could improvise on the fly and use different nouns, verbs, and adjectives to describe a game. Yeah, and and he's one of those guys. He's got a, th- a thesaurus probably in his back pocket with all the ways he can describe games and stuff. And Matt Lachlan, he 
he's not on Doc's level, but he's good as a radio broadcaster because, like I said before, he paints a picture of the game and he lets you visualize it in your own mind where the Devils are skating, which way they're going, what happens, you know, who scored it. And then Chico's there just to give his, you know, his commentary alongside Matt. And, you know, Chico's Chico. He's a fan favorite, so... He's hilarious. Exactly. So, you know, he's one of those Homer guys, but that's okay. If I had to put him on the Homer spectrum, for me, he's pretty light on the Homer spectrum. Right. But he's played for so many other teams that, you know, he's played for Philly. He's played for uh, the Islanders. He's played for New Jersey. So it's, it's really hard for him to be a complete Homer, but he's a partial Homer in a sense. But he... He loves his time in New Jersey, and he also, you know, lives in Minnesota. So he does throw in, you know, like at least four different locations. He plugs into uh, a radio uh, broadcast. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, again, it's Chico, and, you know, everybody loves him, and he's got his side antics. But he's got great stories to tell about his time in the league as well. And like you said, he's played for the, the Flyers, the Islanders. You know, he's been with the Devils for so long as well, playing for them and then being on the TV side, now the radio side. So it's always good to have good commentators like that, you know, bring the game to you and interact with the fans. I mean, the Chico each segment on MSG was great. Everybody loved that. Oh, love the poutine one where uh, Marty gets uh, the all-time wins record. Yeah, thanks, that was – Thanks to Hobby's Deli. Yeah, that was great. So, I mean – you gotta have you gotta have colorful commentaries. Each team has their own, and it's just great to see. And you know, some like you said, he's not on the high list of the homers, but you know, when you do listen to him, he does he point out he is a homer. So that's okay. It's basically like the uncle that has his way all the time because that's the way your uncle always gonna be. That's everyone loves Chico for being Chico. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that. Chico Resch, he's a fan favorite. He always has been. The fans have always loved him when he played in New Jersey, even though the team was bad. The fans love Chico. And he's always embraced the, the team, and he's always brought his, you know, good stories. And when we talk about good stories, you know, Mike Doc Emmerich, you know, when he was with the team, you know, he always made the game so exciting. And now we segue over to the current guy in – Steve Cangelosi, who not only does Devils hockey, but he also calls the games that my friend Emma, uh, who is the, the graphics designer still for the Devils to this date, uh, she also does work for the New York Red Bulls. And she, of course, has connections to him because, you know, they're both Devils and Red Bull people. Yeah, Kanji's done a great job taking over on MSG. He's great on soccer, too, and he knows what he's talking about. He's always prepared, and having Danico alongside him helps him. Again, you have two guys working with Cangelosi. I mean, he, he's been with the organization for a long time. You know, um, like Matt Lachlan, he started, you know, doing stuff for the Devils for in-between segments. He was there. So, and then, you know, like obviously Matt and the Maven, and then Laughlin took over on the radio side. But Cangelosi having Danico and Salvador there, two guys that played the game, 
help him along. And but like you said, like I said, he's always prepared and he's ready to go and he understands the game of hockey. And he probably could do it on the five if someone asked him to do it. And it's also great that uh, you have Matt Laughlin, you know, feeding off of, you know, Steve Cangelosi or the other way around, you know, Matt Laughlin giving ideas to Steve Cangelosi because, you know, Maddie's been here for so many years and Matt has been in the area since his Seton holidays pretty much. And it's great to have a fellow pirate, you know, who's from that South Orange township area. And I used to live in that area and it's not too far of a drive or a train ride to a devil's game. And it's, and it's a good thing to have a lot of the people in the area. And we talk about how these broadcasters, and now we can talk about Erica Walker in her second stint with MSG. Yeah, um, she did a great job last year with the Devils, with MSG. Uh, great in-studio host. Um, nothing bad to say about her. Knows her hockey. Is having fun with the fans. Is going to be out there tomorrow night interacting with the fans during the red carpet uh, celebration as the players get introduced and brought into the building. So she'll be out there. She's great to interact with. If you haven't had the chance to do it, you know, there MSG usually allows you and the devils allow you to go up there to the second floor near the lounge, uh, near the, um, the suites where they film the pre and post game show. And, they're all about letting you in and watching and they're very personable. Erica can talk with you for, you know, a good 10, 20 minutes before she has to leave. She's a really nice person and she's going to do a great job for the Devils this year too. And also like I was watching the Let's Go Devils podcast, like when they were doing the draft day festival, um, I know I, I was kept, you know, at the end of that podcast, uh, like for the last five minutes and they, had Erica Walker in between she talked for at least it felt like a half hour and the and later on the next day Sam Wu had to give her own like podcast segment from that podcast because it was so long that uh I think it was Shorts guy who did an assignment that day and he found her yeah and and, and she really kept a lot of interesting things coming in and um Honestly, um, I just remember uh, Steve Cangelosi and Matt Laughlin were on that um, draft day podcast. Like bef- before the the draft started, they were able to kind of lead us on to uh, what would then be Jack Hughes, and so they they do a good job teasing uh, us, the fans and the podcasters, uh, into thinking what is going to go on next. Yeah, and then that's the whole thing of this business, what we're going to do next. And, you know, you want to have great segues. You want to have great teases. And they always leave you hanging for a little bit more. Like when they're have, about to have a great interview or a segment, they'll be like, oh, we'll be back soon. It's like, oh, I really want to hear this and I want to see this. But, you know, being at the game so much, you get to interact with the players. So you get different points of view from from everybody, different players, different quotes. But I always like to watch the game when I get back, see if I missed anything, pick up on little innuendos when I'm writing, just to see, you know, 
okay, what did he have to say here with this person? What did he didn't tell me? I mean, they're pretty much the same answers, but, you know, sometimes they say it in a different way. Yeah, and speaking of different ways and, and opinions and I, and ideas, we're going to get into this wonderful thing called the lightning round. It's going to be our point projections uh, for these players on the 22 of 23-man roster. Once we get to the last two guys, it's going to be all about the wins. All right, let's start the lightning round. All right, are you R-E-A-D-Y, Devils fans? All right, first one is Jack Hughes. You are in. I'm going with 60 points for Jack Hughes. You have 60? I have 65. All right, so we're, you know, plus minus five, di- five differential. I think he's going to be in that 60-point range. If he goes a little higher than that, that'll be good. I think that that around there, that'll get your rookie of the year status for sure. I honestly like the idea of Taylor Hall having a comeback season. Uh, I am going to let you have this one again, Snake. I'm going with a 100-point season for Taylor Hall. You have 100. I'm going to do 103. So we're both, again, you know, pretty much hovering around the same numbers for both players. You know, Hall, when he won the MVP, was at 93 points. So he goes up seven, maybe 10 points. He's definitely going to have a bounce back here. He's looking to prove something. And I honestly think Jack Hughes or uh, Nico Heischer, et cetera, whoever they play with, they're going to really amp up their game. Uh, Jesper Bokvist. Ooh, this one's tough. Um, I'm going to say he's going to come in and get 40 points for Boquist. 35. All right. Look at this right on the money again. Like both guys just thinking, thinking the same thing. Uh, Nikita Gusev. This one's tricky because how many assists does he have? Is the goal score? You know, he put up what 80, 90 points in Russia. I'm going to hover around the 75-point mark. You said 75. I say 72. Sounds good to me. I honestly think it's going to be pretty close. He's going to be an equal amount, almost an equal amount of sniper versus goal uh, goal setter upper. Uh, Blake Coleman. Ooh, okay. So, Coleman, let's see. I'm thinking, I'm thinking <laughs> of a number because I'm trying to. I'm going to go four points better than he did last year. He had 36 last year. I'm going to give him 40 points this year. I'm going to go 42. Okay. I like he's it. Gonna in, he's going to be in that realm. Nico Heischer. Nico Heischer, I said this on SiriusXM today. They had a um, they had a poll, or they had a question on under review segment with uh, Mick Kern. They asked what players from your team were going to have breakout year. Obviously, I said Taylor Hall because he's going to bounce back. But I like Nico Heischer to hit the eighty point mark this year with the Devils. He's bigger, he's stronger. You can see it in the preseason. He wants to puck more, and I just like what he's bringing to the team. You said 80? Yeah. All right. 
I'm going to say 90. Okay. I just think he's on a good line with two really great players that are going to give him good equal amounts of goals and assists, and I just think he's primed. John Hayden. I give him 25 points this year. I'm going to give him 18. Okay. I mean, he's in that role. It's not something sexy, but it's going to be something worthwhile. Yeah. Paul Mary. I'm going 70 points for Paul Mary. I think he hits over 30 goals. I'm going to say 75. Okay. Now, what do you think about the 30 goals? I think 30 goals is going to happen. Also, I think because he's on the line with Heisher, Hughes, et cetera, whoever he interchanges with, he's going to have a fair amount of uh, goals and assists. And plus, with him being on the power play, that first power play unit, that's where he does a lot of his damage too. And and Wayne Simmons might be on that power play, and we'll get to him in a moment. Right. Uh, Rooney. Mm, you know, he's one of those guys – like Hayden, I'll probably put him maybe like 15 points for him. I'm going to go with 16. Okay. Uh, Wayne Simmons. You know, Wayne Simmons, you got to look for a bounce back year out of Wayne Simmons. He really didn't have a great year in, in Philly. I'm going to put him around 45 this year, 45, you know, make it 50. I think, I think he can get up to the 50 point mark, especially if he plays on that second line. I think he's going to have some really important power play goals. I'm putting him at 66. Okay. Just because he's with a really deep third line, fourth line, it's it's not like uh, slow and steady in Nashville. No offense to family down in Franklin, uh, Tennessee, uh, to my uh, mom's cousin, Bobby. So sorry, sorry about that, but I, I admire your predators. Uh, Miles Wood. Oof. I'm going to put him at. I'm going to put him at 36 points this year. Ooh. Uh, this is tough because it all depends on injuries. He could, he could have 36, but then again, he could have like 10. It all depends on what Miles Wood decides to show up. I think he's going to have 40. I mean, okay. he's he's going to probably get a few special clutch goals this year that we're not expecting, but it it's worth it. Uh, Pavel Zaka. The problem is the preseason, not only playing in one game, could hurt him. But i like him to get 45 points this year. I might be a little more conservative. I'm thinking 37. Okay. I think he's going to score more points than he has in recent years. I just don't think his line is that juicy. Yeah, it's going to be tough down there. Uh, Travis Zajac. Ooh, you know, Zajac, you know, he's a warrior. You know, he's one of those guys I like. Um, You know, last season he hit the 46 points. I'll give him, I'll give him 56 this year. 56, I think he gets 58. All right, so, again, our differential isn't that big. Will Butcher. Give me Butcher to hit 45 points this year. 
because just the way his role is this year, you know, playing definitely probably play second line, get some power play time on a second unit. I like forty five points for him. I think he's going to get seven more assists. He's going to get fifty two points this year. Okay. It's just it's just a sense of who he's paired with, uh, Connor Carrick. Carrick, I mean, I like what he did. Brought it at the end of the year. Um, I could see Carrick getting for defenseman. I could see him probably hovering in that fifteen point range. Fifteen? Yeah. I'm going with twenty. Okay, so again, we're not far off. Uh, Captain Green. Oof. Andy Green, the guy I like to talk about the most. Um, I'm gonna say he stays at the 25 points that he had last year. I just don't see the improvement. Uh, he's getting older. And, you know, obviously it's Subban with him on the top pairing, but I'm just not sold on his point I production. Think gets, and... I think he gets 22. Okay, so, you know, goes down a little bit. But we're pretty much in that same range. Pretty close, yes. I, I, I have Mirko Muller. It depends on how much he plays. Um, I could keep him. I might keep him at, you know, maybe 12 points this year. I think he's going to only get 10. I mean, he's going to get like eight assists. Yeah. Uh, Damon Severson. Okay. Severson, he's, he's primed for a big uh, – another – Good year. Um, I'm going to say he hits the 60-point plateau this year. Your final number? Is 60. 60? Yeah. For defenseman, that's high. I know. But the situations that he's going to be put in, I like Severson. I like 58. Okay. I think it's a fair number. I don't think it's crazy. I think it's I think he's going to have at least 10 power play points this year. Uh, Thanks to P.K. Subban, he's up next. All right. So, let's see. Power play, playing top line minutes. He's a guy that can get 70 points, but he's, you know, a guy that had issues in Nashville. I'm going to hover around the 65-point range for every Subban. I'm going to go with 73. It's a good number. I mean... I I think it's doable. I like the the big bodies up front that he has, and he's definitely going to be someone who's going to have a big, wicked shot, and it's going to be adding time and space to him. Yeah. I mean, again, when he was with Montreal, he used that shot to his advantage on the power play. And this is his calling card. Yeah. Uh, we have Sammy, Mr. Coffee, Vatanen. All right, Mr. Coffee. All right, let's see what Mr. Coffee. Let's see what we can do. I think I think Sammy's going to have twenty five points this year. I think he's going to get thirty two. I honestly think uh, the way he plays defense, he can block some shots. He can turn those shots around and 
seven more of those would be important ones that get us two points extra. So just think about that for a second. Yeah, I, I, I could see that. I could definitely see that. Uh, now it's off to goaltending. All right. Uh, this, this is going to be pretty interesting. Uh, Blackwood, how many wins? It's tough. Because um, I'm trying to think how they split it. It, it, it can be half and half. You never know. I, I'm going to say 20 wins. I think he's going to get 28 wins. All right, so he's going to play more majority then. Okay. Uh, this, this is going to be different with Schneider now. Yeah, so. Schneider looking good. Schneider looking good, real good. See, so I think 20, 20, 20 equals 40. Yep. But there's 82 games that they got. Well, there's well, there's 82 games, so, but. Oh, man. I think. Sorry, this is algebra. No, I'm just trying to think. I mean, I could see Schneider winning 20 games again, too. I'm trying to think. I'm Another just, 20 is, is, an, is, a, is over. Uh, 80 points. I can see yeah, I'm going to go around. He ekes him out a little bit, but I'll say 22 wins. 22? Yeah. All right, so uh, I think he's going to have a good comeback year. I think he's going to get 30. Okay. So... Let me put this down. Um, 58 wins versus 42. Yeah. Uh, for our fellow Devils listeners, uh, basically, let me do the math. Let, let me see what the calculator allows me to do. 50 times. Hold on a sec. All let right. me get my Apple calculator. This is better. Yeah. 58 times 2 equals 116. All right. And you have 42 wins, which equals... 84. 84. But that doesn't doesn't, um, factor in the overtime or shootout loss points. So say they get... 10 there, that's 94. That'll put you in the playoffs in the East. And if the Devils got another 10 in overtime, right? that's 126. Right, exactly. So, I mean, look, we both figure they're going to be a playoff team fighting for a wild card spot. I mean, you could go either way on the, on the wins here um, for the Devils, uh, for their goalies. Um, because it depends on how they do it. They could split it. It doesn't matter. Um, but I, you know, I just think they they're gonna be in that 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 team overall is probably gonna be in that ninety to ninety five range somewhere. 
And I added up the numbers for the goaltending plus, you know, 10 overtimes. Yeah. That that altogether you get an average of 110 points. That is that I is mean, like, if they're a 110 point team, that that'd be amazing and I would be awesome because that means they're going back to what they did best. And I believe uh if if they're at let's say 55 points in the middle of the season already, Taylor Hall resigns. Yes, and, 100%. 100%. And he, and he and he's all on board. Darren Ferris, Ray Shiro, they're they're all talking, you know. Um I think if that's the case, you know, 55, you know, points within what was it? Uh Three game, I mean three months. I mean, yeah, that's really good. That's, that, that's really good. That'll put them in the playoffs for sure. That's eighteen point three three points a month for our fellow listeners. Yes. Yeah, so if they're if again if they do that, that's gonna be it's gonna be unbelievable. Um. So you know, keep an eye out for what the Devils are gonna do. Um, defensively, offensively, in the standings, how they split the goaltending, who plays with who, because it, that affects everything. And it's just going to be a fun season for Devils fans. I'm basically telling, you know, that you between, uh, like, what Tampa Bay had points-wise last year versus basically Carolina and uh, – and Montreal did numbers wise. So that's a good measuring stick. And 110 is like, you know, a completely amazing off the charts that ensures you, you're already in the playoffs without having to wait for the last month. Yeah. And just a quick little news note item uh, former Devils defenseman Adam Larson, who plays with the Edmonton Oilers, will be out six to eight weeks with a fractured right fibula that he, when he got injured last night in the game against the Canucks. That is very unfortunate for uh, Mr. Larson and his career uh, this season so far with the Oilers. And the Oilers did come on top, what was it, 3-2? to two? Yes. Thanks to Connor McDavid splitting two defenders with blazing speed. And uh, to kind of con- compare and contrast, uh, that's kind of like a segue over to Jack Hughes. Like, if anyone hasn't seen that Jack Hughes – uh, versus uh, the Rangers on a on a bad uh, line change. That's what that could be like. Yeah, I mean, uh, Connor McDavid was doing Connor McDavid things, and you're hoping to say that Jack Hughes can do Jack Hughes things because that that the Devils caught the, the Rangers in a bad line change, which is great. You want to see that, and now, uh, you know, you have a star player with that kind of speed, that kind of talent. So, uh, you know, it's going to be fun to watch tomorrow. It's going to be pretty loud. It's going to be pretty exciting. Uh, there's going to be a lot of things going on, you know, people writing about uh, the games this year. And you can certainly, you know, make your own predictions at home. Um, we always taking questions, you know, whether it's fan stuff or it's um, people who want to be a sponsor for the show and stuff like that. We're more than welcome to accept, you know, 
your input to help improve the show. How to support uh, fans and everyone else wanted to look into uh, being part of this. It's going to be a great season. Um, hopefully, there's going to be, you know, a light at the end of the tunnel where Taylor Hall signs an extension. Yeah, and uh, stay tuned for that. I mean, we'll be all over that. I'm trying to follow up with the, the Taylor Hall situation, you know, be on top of news. We'll bring you the best analysis, uh, maybe some game day post-reaction. Um, again, the Devils play back-to-back this weekend, home opener tomorrow night against the Winnipeg Jets. Then they're up in Buffalo against the Sabres Saturday night. It's just a fun weekend of hockey. Hockey is back. Uh, you know, no no offense to the other sports, but it is the best game in the world for a reason. And uh, I love it to cover it um, going into another season, just writing about it, talking about it. There's so many opportunities out there. I'm so thankful and grateful for everything here. And uh, I can't wait to bring you my analysis this year. Well, thank you for that. I honestly am very excited to, you know, both the puck authority and uh, pucks and pitchforks and, you know, doing this with Big Heads Media. You know, it's it's a great thing. You know, we all enjoy, you know, not just talking about it, but putting it on air and giving people an, a feel for what we feel is the best mark under-marketed sports in the world, which is beginning to market itself better this year. Yeah. With the expansion in Vegas, how they can do it in Seattle. Yeah, and it's going to be something to watch for in Seattle. What they're doing, they got their scouts in place. Last night, scouts were in Toronto looking at players. So, you know, it's going to be a first tomorrow to have a scout that says Seattle franchise, and big things are coming, you know. It's just going to be a fun season of hockey. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know who's going to win the cup. Everybody thinks they know, but they don't. Um, we'll see what happens <laughs> come uh, June the next year. And with the 2021 draft, you know, on the way, we will certainly have to do our own, not just a mock draft. We're going to have to mention mock draft. Um, it's going to be interesting because – it could be pretty tricky in predicting forwards, uh, defensemen, and goaltenders who might get selected. Like, um, it was it, it was a bad move for Pittsburgh letting go of, uh, I mean, uh, Mark Andre Fleury. Sorry, uh, but Matt Murray, you know, and then you have Tristan Jari, and then Casey DeSmith just put would put on waivers and down in the AHL, which is you know I'm surprised no one claimed him. But, again, that's the world we live in. It's a salary cap world, and you got to play in within the rules. And if the guy makes too much money, you can't bring him in. And you see, you know, look, you know, Vegas, they had their first-round draft pick play last night. And Cody, Cody Glass, Glass. He scores a goal. You know, he's fitting in that with that team perfectly. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to watch, you know, who scores the first goal for tomorrow night for the Devils, which rookie scores. Um, if I had to put, if I put something on a line, I'd probably say Hall gets the first goal for the Devils tomorrow. Maybe an assist with uh, with Heisher and Palmieri. But then again, you never know. You could see Hughes pull a Matthews. We could see Jack Hughes possibly score two points in his debut, and see Heisher do another two points, and maybe uh, PK Subban gets the first power play. You know, there are so many. Uh, variables on this roster that 
it makes this team one of the most dangerous, uh, even before puck drop. And Amanda Stein writes, eek, it's a New Jersey Devils game day tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, your summer's basically gone. Yeah, your summer's over. It's it's time for it's time to play some hockey, and uh, it's great to have such so many good teams, you know, in the area. I mean, obviously, you know, it's great rivalries. The Hudson River rivalry is back. You have the Islanders that are doing well, so it's going to be interesting to see, um, who how they play, how the Rangers play, how all these new pieces just fit in for the Devils. It's an exciting season. Just come along for the ride with us. And there's going to be several Devils games on NBCSN, I believe. And one of them is going to be on uh, against the Philadelphia Flyers and uh, Nolan Penn. Time staying healthy. Yeah, he does. And it's unfortunate for a guy like that. But I was always on a Nico Heischer train. So um, I, I you hate to see a guy not be able to play because of the injury, especially like migraine headaches. Yeah, it, it's one of those things that you don't wish bad luck on someone, but, you know, because it's down, you know, the turnpike and you have the turnpike rivalry and you have cheesesteak versus pork roll, you have, uh, New, you have uh, New York cheesecake versus uh, pork roll. You know, these are the rivalries that we have um, in in the tri-state area, and it's and it's an amazing thing to have. If that that was a tailgate thing, I think it'd be a good theme. Yeah, it would be. It would be. I mean, you know, back in the day at the old Brendan Burn in the East Rutherford, you got to be able to tailgate outside. Different people brought different foods, which was awesome. Got to interact with so many players. Uh, people, fans. So, um, you know, I've been down to Philly a couple of times. You know, their tailgate's okay. Um, and Nashville <laughs> is one of my favorite tailgate spots along Carolina, which I was just there again. And the the fan, the hospitality down in Carolina is great. Um, but you know, the Devils, you know, they're gonna they're gonna bring some excitement to the game tomorrow. Just tune in wherever you are. Um, if you need if you need access to the links to where you can watch games, let me know. DM me on Twitter. I'll bring you what I can get get you. And it's just going to be an exciting game tomorrow night against Winnipeg Jets. And we will be looking forward to hearing from you all season long, off season long. And because hockey's back in session, this is how the school bell will ring. Ding, 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 ding. And just imagine how excited the Fan Fest will be tomorrow. There will be all sorts of goodies going on, music, you know, it's it's going to be an extravaganza once again. Hopefully it doesn't rain. Yeah, no rain. I don't think any rain's in the forecast for tomorrow. Hopefully not. I mean, it is hopefully. raining right now, but it's, it's good that they don't have a game today. But uh, hopefully we the people can enjoy FanFest tomorrow, no rain, and uh, get to meet the players. Yes, one of my favorite all-time uh, FanFest favorites is definitely – doing a little bit of uh, a little bit of ball hockey they used to set up but I think they changed that to like uh, a shooting from um, that little like I forget what to call it it's like it looks like a little trailer that you have you know like different areas you can take a wrist shot and everything closer to uh, 
the dinosaur BBQ side. Yeah, it's more of like uh, target practice, like four corners kind of thing. But um, yeah, the the ball hockey was always fun. Uh, the fan interaction is always great. Um, tomorrow it's going to be you know people are advised to get there early. I believe it starts at four thirty. The whole red carpet situation. I know. I know if somebody's going to be parking his butt down there, probably like nine a.m. to just try to get the best spot. Um, and uh, I know I'm going to end up going early because you know you have the fan fest and you want to get your credentials and all that stuff. And a mix of, a mix of everything. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'll be, I'll be there tomorrow uh, during the warm up. I'm going to, you know, obviously everybody's down up at the press box, but I'm usually during warm ups. I get, I go one of my buddies who does the photography and I like to get down there and just get some, you know, photos, uh, for, during a warm up and just try to interact with some people down there. Um, you know, I'll be hovering around. So come out, check us out. Uh, tomorrow we'll be at the game live. Um, and you know, just, Give us suggestions, drop us some hints. You want to interact, talk some pucks. We're more than welcome to interact with you. Also, like one of the places that, you know, fans are also invited to is PJ Ryan's on the second floor because Sam Wu and the Let's Go Devils podcast has their little hangout before the game, you know. So if anyone isn't going right away and sticking in the fan fest for too long, they want to go to PJ Ryan's, that's good. Um, then the doors open at five thirty. Yeah, they do for yeah. the doubles. Yep. Yeah, fan fest starts at four thirty. Red carpet celebration, and obviously player introductions, and puck drop on the 2019-2020 New Jersey Devils season. If Arla is singing tomorrow, we all can sing loud and proud. I I, I got a feeling sing. she is. I got a feeling she is. And it's going to be great to hear Pete Canarozzi along with the Oregon and have Dance and Earl dancing again. It's going to be one of those special days of the year. It's like a national holiday in New Jersey. Yes, it is. It's puck drop uh, for the New Jersey Devils. Everybody's excited. It's time to get hockey back in the Garden State rolling again and get the Devils back to their winning ways. And, of course, for us, uh, we have to be in the press box. We can't cheer. This is why we're celebrating before the game, the day before, technically, to get all our uh, fan energy out because we have to be business. It has to be professional. Exactly. And we glasses when we're, when we're inside. No, it's... no fan glasses. I've seen guys do it. Um, uh, not – not uh it's frowned upon but it's okay um you usually do it after the game after everything's done he let out that big (laughs) but i'm sure for us you know doing post-game interviews should go rather quickly than slowly because you know a lot of players i remember last year on the devil side even though they beat the capital a lot of the players you know they they got into their car the only person who stayed and signed autographs was Sammy Vatman. Yeah, it's opening night. Guys want to, you know, it's going to be a long day tomorrow for everybody. And uh, they just want to get in and out. They want to do their thing. And the Devils can't really stick around tomorrow night because they're going to be on the bus off to the airport and off to Buffalo. 
And it's most likely for us people, we're going to have the Jets, unfortunately, after the game because it seems that they've already gone through a bunch of stuff in the past 48, 72 hours. Yeah, I mean, look, the Jets will have some good quotes. Devils will be around tomorrow night too. Well, for some post-game stuff, quick talks. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what players have to say pre and post game tomorrow and it's gonna be a fun it's gonna be a fun time. And hopefully we can talk to some people before the game who work with the team and see what they want to do for an upcoming podcast. And if I can't around, at least our boy Jimmy can do it. And certainly there'll be a lot of things that fans will have to ask questions for and um, we're on Facebook, Twitter, um, reach out to me and Jim on Instagram um we're very accessible um when you do hear about it you know we do have you know other accounts you know you can find us on it's just um even on twitter we're very easy to follow for if people want to follow the podcast account it's j-e-r-s-e-y underscore podcast and then um my personal uh twitter is at J-E-R-S-E-Y-D-E-V-I-L-O-G. And then my personal Twitter account is at J-I-M-B-I-R-I-N-G-E-R, my name. Um, you can find me on Instagram at the same thing, at Jim Berenger, Facebook as well. Very um, personal. You know, I interact with everybody. Um, you know, I, if you want to DM me, that's fine too. I don't I have a problem. Anything that's public is public. You know, um, I have respect from people around the hockey world, with my knowledge and, uh, it's good interactions. You know, we can agree to disagree as I talked with one guy before. So it, it's going to be a good time. It's going to be a great time and fans. Thank you for listening. And it's going to be a great day tomorrow. So much energy going on. It's, it's a cloudy day today on the 3rd of October. If you're listening tomorrow, uh, I hope that you're listening to a little bit of a little bit of uh, Palisades. Uh, we'll get you going. And I want to hear, let's go Devils. Woo! Let's go Devils. Devils. Woo! Woo! All right. See you there. See you there. Peace out.